0: Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. This is Emily, and you're listening to episode 20. Today we are talking to Sarah and Beth, hosts of the podcast, Pantsuit Politics, and The Nuance Life, and authors of I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Listening a guide to grace-filled political conversations. To say I was excited to talk to these women would be such an understatement. I was so excited and so nervous because I've been a long-time listener and I really admire the work they're doing in the political space. Sarah and Beth talk through current events in their bi-weekly podcast, Pantsuit Politics, with a lens I've yet to come across anywhere else. They speak with grace and allow space for each of their values to lead the way. But heads up, we won't be talking politics in this episode. We will be talking about how to have those political conversations, why to have them, and how we can have them well. Please enjoy my conversation with Sarah and Beth. Welcome to the Illuminate podcast, Beth and Sarah. I'm really honored to have you both on.
1: Thanks so much for having for having us.
0: You guys are both incredibly accomplished, intelligent women that have done so much prior to starting Pantsuit Politics, and you've chosen to focus your skills and talents on a podcast that focuses on conversations around current events and bipartisan political viewpoints with nuance and grace. Today, I really wanted to talk to you guys about these, having these grace-filled conversations, why they're so important to have, and also some ways to navigate the conversations when they can get tricky at times but before we start can you tell our listeners a little bit about your backgrounds and how you came to be podcasters together
1: i grew up in so this is beth i grew up in western kentucky um went to college with sarah that's how we met we were sorority sisters at transylvania university from there i went off to law school Um, in Kentucky. Sarah went to law school as well, but she'll tell you that part of her story. Um, From law school, I became a a corporate lawyer with a Midwestern firm located in Cincinnati. Um, I did Litigation work and then Chapter Eleven bankruptcy work, principally um, corporate Chapter Elevens. I did not like practicing law. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have since come to really value my law degree, but it was not in the the practicing sense. Mm-hmm. And went to the firm and proposed that I might be able to work on the administrative side. I was really thinking about employee training and morale and professional development, mm-hmm. um, and so I started doing that work. Became the chief HR officer for the firm. Um, I did that for about five years um, and connected with Sarah again over Facebook because of her blog and because of my interest in natural childbirth, which she had been writing about when I was pregnant. And mm-hmm. Sarah can pick it up from there. Yeah, our stories
2: similarly track a little bit. We went to Transy. I went away to North Carolina first, where my husband went to law school at Duke, and then we lived in Washington, D.C., for five years where I went to law school and I always worked in politics. I was a political science major. Mm-hmm. I went to law school thinking that I wanted to work in government or run for office one day. I worked for Hillary Clinton's 2007 presidential campaign. I worked for the United States Senate. And then... um when it came time to have babies, I thought I'm not going to raise babies in Washington, D.C. It's just not it's not going to happen. So I sort of just informed my husband that we were <laughs> moving back to my hometown of Paducah, Kentucky and sort of got on the on the mommy track. I uh, had two sons in pretty short order, took um took a break and then had my third son. But during that time was sort of pursuing a career in. Uh, social media. I don't know if I was pursuing a career. I was finding um, my skill set and my interest level because I couldn't just take a maternity leave for Capitol Hill because I lived in Kentucky now. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So I did uh, mommy blogging and social media consulting. And during that time, um, um, got back interested in politics and decided to run for the city commission. And my husband, was on me all the time to start a podcast. And when Beth reached out and did some guest posts, I thought, oh, maybe this maybe this could work. And we did a test phone call way back in 2015 just to see um, if we had interesting things to talk about and how our conversation flowed and if we might want to... Um, you know, sp- we, we thought at the time, spend a, an hour or so a week talking politics, and then it quickly morphed into, do you want to be in a big major partnership with this person for the next <laughs> several years of your life? Um, But I would have answered yes anyway, because the first phone call went so well. The conversation flowed easily. We've always had really good chemistry together. Um, our personalities are complementary. The way we see the world is very complementary. And so um. That first conversation turned into a
0: hobby podcast and the hobby podcast very rapidly turned into something much more. Awesome. I feel like I listened to you guys, I don't it's been a couple of years. So it had to have been relatively early on when I started listening. Um, and I just really appreciated hearing, honestly, it was just hearing from two really intelligent women that were nice to each other and I could just mm-hmm. listen and learn and I wasn't feeling the angst or like some I don't know. Something in between you guys, I just really did enjoy your personalities. They do complement each other really, really well. But it brought up to me that it just really is a privileged viewpoint to be able to shy away from politics. I was I was choosing to do that because I could and being able to listen to you guys brought that up and I was I was very thankful for that. And so I just want to hear your perspective of why it's just really important to talk about politics, um, especially as women. Um, I think your book talks about this a little bit, and I just really enjoyed what you guys had to say about it.
1: Well, as you said, it really is a privilege to be able to tune out of politics, because if you're able to tune out, it means that you feel largely insulated from any decision making, maybe that means that your family lives well above the poverty line, so you don't worry about what assistance looks like from government sources. Or maybe it means that you don't have family members who serve in the military who would be too impacted by policy mm-hmm. in that respect. Maybe it means that you're sure that your drinking water is going to be clean, your school system is going to be nice, uh, because it has a good solid tax base wherever you live. You know, it is mm-hmm. it is really a privilege. Um, racially ethnically religiously economically in many ways to feel like politics don't impact you and so sarah and i both believe that we owe it to our neighbors who are not insulated in that way Mm -hmm. to participate and also we probably are more affected than we think we are all of us Mm -hmm. Um, so for that reason we think being engaged is important it's also important because we're losing the really critical skill of being in community with people who don't see the world the same way that we do uh, because of the way that we've approached our politics. And I think that's that has had an impact in not only how we interact civically, but also how we participate in our businesses and our churches and our communities. These dividing lines that we bring um, through the lens of politics impact us elsewhere. And if we want to continue to thrive as a species, really, and to have good communities where we live out our values, we, we must value diversity of thought. And we have to practice valuing diversity of thought constantly in order to be good at it. Well, and I think, you know, Beth always says politics is just
2: how we live in community with one another. And I really think we're all just lonely. Mm-hmm. I think we're lonely and disconnected from one another. And I think if we really want to find deep, re- rich communications with each other, connections with each other, community with each other, we can't do that by only talking about shallow things in order to really connect with one another face-to-face in person. It can't be, you know, only about the weather or only about, um, um, sort of surface level issues. We have to talk about our values. We have to talk about our perspectives. We have to share our experiences and our feelings with each other. Um, because getting on Facebook and communicating your frustration through a meme is not really serving our emotional needs, I don't think. Don't say I don't do it. I'm not saying it's not fun. But um, I just read a really great book called How to Do Nothing by Jenny Odell. And she talks about how um social media is it, it it collapses the context. There's no you're 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 creating a message that will appeal to this incredibly broad swath of your own community or your own friends and family members or just the world if you're just getting on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And you know that's really not how we're supposed to communicate with one another, you know, and it, it shrinks the It collapses the context of the human beings. It collapses the timeline. So we're not thinking about the history. We're not thinking about far into the future. We're just thinking about right now. And I think we're really starved for deeper, richer conversations and connections with one another. And for better or for worse, I know it it sounds kind of crazy in the era of our current polarized politics, Um, politics and policy can be a source of that type of connecting communication. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I love how you point out that in social media, we really think we're connecting. um, But then we're left feeling lonely still. And it's because we're insulating ourselves from any hard conversations pretty much because we're able to just shut it off or put it down. It's not a you can just say it's not really a real person or, you
2: know, and our brains evolved over thousands of years to look each other in the eye and to touch one another and to hear each other's voices and to to really interact with a,
0: another human being in person not through a screen mm-hmm. yeah for sure and i definitely see how politics it like brings our fears and insecurities to the forefront and we don't sometimes we don't even know that that's uh-huh. why we're like I don't know, jumpy about um, a conversation. Um, I was just curious how you guys handle like when you're in a conversation and maybe you get really angry or somebody else um, and you just want to drop it and walk out because it just makes you feel a little antsy inside or maybe you just want to push into it depending on your personality. Uh, How can we just like get past that jumpy defensive part and be able to do those honest conversations like where there's actually space for growth.
1: Well, sometimes we can't. And I think that's the first important thing to say, it is okay to have that reaction. Mm. It's okay to feel the discomfort. It's okay to be defensive sometimes. It I mean, we're just human beings and all those emotions are going to be part of us whether we welcome them or not, so we might as well welcome them. Mm. I think the most significant thing we can do especially to this point about how the real work here is connecting with each other, Mm -hmm. not having like a um, master's degree level symposium on some policy issue Mm -hmm. is to just name that. Wow. This brings up a lot of emotion in me. Are you feeling that I feel so much tension right now and I don't hate, I don't want to feel that tension between us because I really value this relationship. I wonder why it is that this is so hard for us to talk about Um, The emotions surrounding all of it are where the relationship lives in a lot of ways. And and they're a really good barometer on what else is going on in that relationship.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And as we talk about in the book and on the show all the time you know, Sarah and I don't even on the podcast try to leave every policy discussion with conclusions. We don't say, okay, we're going to talk about healthcare. And by the end, we're going to have a good draft going of a new healthcare policy proposal. Mm-hmm. It It is more just let's learn something here from each other. Let's learn something about ourselves. Let's practice this skill. Let's Greet those emotions and name them so that we can continue to work on those. And then you just come back. And sometimes you do leave, right? Sometimes you just get frustrated and you say, that's enough for today. That's all we can do in this moment. Mm-hmm. Let's do it again.
0: Right. I mean, I guess that's key, right? Not just like leaving. Like you, that just, I can't, I, right now, I can't continue right now. It feels a little bit like this might be the end for the moment, but let's continue later.
1: Yes. Yeah. With awareness well, and of I, what all made this so difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think we're just,
2: we've all been swallowing our emotions about these things for so long or just um, getting that sort of short, easy hit of releasing them in a place that people agree with us or ranting about it on social media. We have a lot of sort of unloading to do, I think, before we can really start reconciling and getting to deeper things. There are a lot of people who feel very silenced and unheard or, uh, you know, attacked or abused. And you can't get to, you know, the deeper, more rich, more rewarding conversations without people feeling heard first.
0: Mm.
2: And we just I think there's a lot of that that we have to get through before we can get to. The more rewarding aspect of this process,
1: unfortunately. Mm. And I think that really requires people feeling heard without feeling graded in what they're being heard about. We have this tendency to be listening to someone who's expressing those emotions Sarah just described with a sense that we're there more to judge whether those feelings are justified or not, or would I feel the same way if I were this person, or is this a little bit overstated or is it a little too much for me? And I think that is where a lot of the real vitriol among the parties has calcified Mm -hmm. this sense that um, my pain is never going to be good enough for you to acknowledge, whether that's coming from either side of the aisle or any person that exists on any spectrum of issue that we might be talking about. There's this sense that, like, it's not only that you're not hearing me, it's that you are hearing me with judgment for Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to share with you. And, and we are really well positioned face-to-face with people that we know and have some other connection with to start to chip away at that.
0: Right. So you think that, like, that's part of it, right, is just um, having conversations with people face-to-face that you know and listening and knowing that, identifying that, hey, oh crap, I could be walking into this with some judgments, but because you love that person or you like that person or you just even have to interact with that person on a um, frequent basis, it's worth it to take those judgments and set them aside to listen.
1: Yeah. And just to know that to kind of have the confidence to be able to sit with something someone's expressing that might make you feel weird or misunderstood or um, or just different. You know, you could mm-hmm. hear someone and think, I don't think I'd feel that way if I were you. I think it's our insecurity that makes us react so strongly when we hear something that we don't quite understand or that we disagree with. And so doing that work on yourself to just Mm -hmm. be confident enough to sit and listen, I think is important. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it's important sort of
2: to go back to the issue of context. This isn't, if you're having a conversation with another human being in real life this is not a Facebook thread, okay? Mm. So we're not trying to have a gotcha moment or exercise um, our own righteousness. Mm-hmm. And if you can, it's it's not always easy, and I'm not going to lie and say I'm always great at this, but if you can remember <laughs> that the context is bigger than that one conversation and that... The, this work that we're doing together isn't just about, um, you know, making the best point, proving the other person wrong, convincing the other person. It's about participating, you know, not to sound sort of grand, and I guess you could cue the West Wing moment, but like, we're, this is the work of democracy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's bigger than the one conversation. It's all of us, not just to that relationship, but I would argue to our culture and country overall. See yourself as a part of the whole, not just the warrior in that moment trying to slay that person's argument. We're trying to build something together, all of us. And some of that is going to look like conversations that are difficult and emotional, where we're not trying to draft legislation, but we're trying to invite our fellow human beings to participate and to the table, even when they disagree with us, even when they see the world very differently than we do.
0: This week's episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. Get mouthwatering, seasonal recipes, and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door with HelloFresh. HelloFresh's recipes are so delicious. There's something for everyone, including low-calorie, vegetarian, and family-friendly recipes every week. HelloFresh can help you eat more sustainably. HelloFresh's pre-portioned ingredients mean there's less prep for you and less food waste. The packaging HelloFresh uses to ship your food is almost entirely made from recyclable and or already recycled content. It's flexible and fits your lifestyle. Add meals or lunches to your weekly order or throw in yummy sides and desserts like garlic bread and cookie dough. My kids would love that. Easily change your delivery days or food preferences and skip a week whenever you need. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Illuminate10 and use code Illuminate10 during HelloFresh's New Year's sale for 10 free meals, including free shipping. We got our first HelloFresh delivery today. Our family chose the vegetarian option, and we made the Israeli couscous with roasted veggies. We normally eat vegan at dinner, and it was so easy to adapt this meal for those who wanted it vegan. And those who didn't could just add the cheese on top. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Illuminate10 and use code Illuminate10 during HelloFresh's New Year's sale for 10 free meals, including free shipping. Sometimes I, I mean, I I wonder if you guys agree that long, long time ago when there was no social media and no TVs and really just newspapers, when there was big things going on in politics, big changes, big uh, frustrations or Fighting or just things that were very large that we still talk about today. I just wonder if we have lost um, that vision of what that probably looked like versus what it looks like now when we have like a 24-hour news stream that's like taking on everything that comes out, right? Whereas like a long time ago when there was just newspapers, they obviously had to be very choosy or Um, Things just remained more private um, that you didn't see. And it seems to hype things up almost in a way of, uh, oh, just that maybe it's this time is bigger. This time is worse than um, so many large things that have happened in our country's history. Uh, Do you think that that's true? Do you think our 24-hour news stream is really, or our... um, Twitter or Instagram is hyping it up? Or do you really think that this is a a time in our nation's history that is um, just like larger struggle than other times? I don't know if
2: I would say it's a larger struggle. I don't I think we need to release the idea that there is this one timeline of American history and we're stacking everything up to see what's harder. We don't know. There's no way any of us will be able to understand or comprehend what it was like to, you know, be an American in 1863 facing the Civil War. We just we're not, we're not going to know that. We will never know what it was like to live during the Industrial Revolution and the Progressive Era when there were dramatic changes. Um, I mean, I think there are still Americans dealing with the the trauma and the experiences of the late 1960s and the early 1970s, mm-hmm. and I don't think we need to decide, you know, what's more important. We 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 really love to do that. We really want to assess and make and reach a conclusion. And maybe part of what could release this death grasp of polarization is. Is not having to rank and decide everything. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it? What is lost if another American doesn't feel like there's a crisis of our democracy right now? That they think we have some issues, but that we're um, on the right track. You know, we need everybody at the table, and that means not, you know, treating every conversation as if it's a math problem where there's only one conclusion. You know, I don't, I think that there are truly, problematic issues within our democracy i think climate collapse is a is a existential threat to our human race absolutely and also i have to sit down in this community with people who do not view the world like i do and who do not agree with the things i just said Mm -hmm. um and so just like being okay with that you know it doesn't Understanding that there's a a dance we're all gonna do here, um, where some of us will have to be louder at moments and sounding alarms, and some of us will remain unconvinced and mm-hmm. I know that's uncomfortable, and I think it's I know as you know a person who loves black and white conclusions that it is more appealing to say, you know right now, social media is the biggest or the internet, artificial intelligence, quantum computing is the biggest risk to humanity. But for better or for worse, we have faced other technologies that have dramatically upended our world. Electricity was a pretty dang big deal. <laughs> Radio yeah. was oh man, like insane to people for of that time. Mm-hmm. And so I just, you know, I'm trying to let go of some of that and it helps me with my anxiety, it helps me feel more empowered to deal with what we're facing. Um, it helps me to remember that I'm not the first American, the first human being to deal with these things, that I'm a part of a chain and I don't want to break the chain. I want to keep working to make the world better than I found it, um, but that I don't want to feel hopeless. And I think the the more I can release that, um, this is the end all be all mentality, the more the, or the less hopeless I
1: feel. Mm-hmm. It also helps me to remember that because of where we are in history, we are showing up with different contexts than people who came before us, regardless of what challenges we're all meeting, the the depth of what informs our experience is increasing, because you don't get to be done with racism or done with the impacts of the Great Depression or of World War II or of 9-11 we keep piling on to this history that we're mm. part of that chain Sarah speaks about, you know, it, it runs in several dimensions. And so I totally agree that we don't need to do kind of a a contest of who has had the, the, the most difficult challenges to overcome throughout history. I do think it's helpful as we talk about our capacity to relate to each other, to remember that we're being born into this world that is filled with trauma. And mm-hmm. our children will add our stuff to that and their children will add to that. And so that that depth of experience certainly impacts how we relate to each other. And we don't really pause to think about that enough because we are so busy advancing our technologies and advancing um, the way that we confront the challenges that are right here in front of us. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that that Adds to the sort of dysfunction that exists among us, and and merits a lot of a lot of internal work and work in our
0: relationships. Mm-hmm. So, how do you guys remain positive when you're and engaged in all of this? Like personally, what what drives you to to become to keep going and also just to stay pos- positive?
1: Well, there's an incredibly rewarding aspect, as Sarah talked about, of of engaging with people about real stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. I am tired of asking people if they're ready for Friday. Um, <laughs> I, I think yeah. it's, it's a wonderful thing to hear what other people are afraid of, passionate about, what breaks their heart, what makes them tick. And all of that comes to the surface when you start having real conversations about political issues. And seeing the resilience of of humanity is pretty amazing. And seeing that resilience live out um, in real time as we're going through some pretty significant challenges, it's a it's a beautiful thing. So, you know, there's a sense of obligation that keeps me in it. Mm-hmm. But more than that, I do think it is it is the most meaningful way to inhabit this experience that we have during our time here. I try to really cultivate that bigger context. Krista Tibbet,
2: one of my absolute favorite podcast co-hosts, although she's an author and much bigger than that, but she co-hosts on Bean. And Mm -hmm. I heard her once say, like, the headlines are just part of the story of what's happening with the human race right now. Mm. And so I try to remember that. I subscribe to um, a lot of media sources, um, the good newspaper, and then There's a great email newsletter called Beautiful News where they turn sort of global trends into these beautiful graphics. Hmm. And there are a lot of really positive global trends out there. More women being educated, um, extreme poverty being reduced, um, extended lifespans, decreased in infant mortalities, like all these big things that don't bubble up into the headlines Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at them, can be really encouraging. And I, and the other huge part of context for me is definitely um, reading a lot of history. I find that really, yeah. you know, deeply comforting and also just fascinating. I mean, not to like, you know, it's the, it's the end of the year, so I'm feeling very philosophical, but <laughs> I just love human beings. I love mm-hmm. being a part of the human race. I love their stories. I love the art they create. I love you know, what we've overcome in the past. And I, I love all of that. And so, you know, submerging myself in that is always really, really helpful for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So I want to switch gears and talk about a little bit as a switch about local politics for a minute. Um, I've been having this conversation with my husband, um, about how an ongoing conversation about how, uh, it's difficult to get into local politics there's a learning curve. Um, and I know Sarah, you were in local politics and I just feel like a lot of people that would be really great at it don't choose to do it because it is there is a big learning curve, it doesn't really pay and it's more work than you probably anticipated having. But it is so important to have this diverse group of people serving in local politics to make sure that we're all represented. How would you encourage somebody who's looking to get involved in local politics?
2: Um, well, the first thing I always tell people is my first experience running for local office was it was a lot of work. I knocked on 5,000 doors, but it was overall an incredibly positive experience. I always tell people knocking on doors are, is basically the, the, fundamental components of human happiness. You're moving your body, you're outdoors, Mm -hmm, um, you have a sense of purpose, and you're connecting with other human beings. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's an incredibly positive, my experience was very, very positive. Mm -hmm. Um, And I learned so much about my community. I met so many amazing people who I still have relationships with. And really, when you talk about the richness of and the deeper context of where you live and the people you live with—I mean, there's—it's—it's it's hard to compare to running for local office as far as the ways in which you are um, put in experiences that that develop that deep, rich context. Mm-hmm. Um, Serving—you know—I'm a learner. I'm a curious person. So serving as a city commissioner on on one level was incredibly. Interesting and fascinating and I learned about stormwater and I learned about sewer and I learned about all these different I I Met city staff members and saw their dedication and that part was incredibly positive Unfortunately, you know, there is a there is a negative side. I mean you are exposed to people who You know, it's that loud 20% who just complain about everything who give you no benefit of the doubt who assume the worst about you because you ran for office and that part can be really hard. And I just think as long as you go in with an open, with open eyes and an open heart and understand, like, it's not going to be 100% positive experience. Nothing in life is. Um, and you understand sort of what you're there to do. I think that was maybe my biggest mistake. I wish I'd I'd gone into local office with more of a sort of, Plan. You know, I knew Mm -hmm. I wanted to serve my town. I loved my town and I knew I wanted to run for office and I had a plan to get elected, but I don't know if I had a plan for what I really wanted to accomplish while I was there because it's such a steep learning curve. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure I understood what the job was going to be. So I think what I would tell people is, you know, spend a lot of time talking to people who've done it before you Mm -hmm. and what they learned so that you know, like, to the point of, like, I know how many times, how many. terms I want to serve. I want to know what my what I'd like to get accomplished. And if I I feel like if I had more of a a, you know, life changes, so make plans, but then mm-hmm. hold them loosely. Um, but I think if I'd gone in like that, it would have been a more positive experience, especially towards the end. Mm-hmm. Would you do it again? I mean, if I would, I like rewind the clock and make the same decisions. Yes. Would I run again right now? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Would you, would you, not right now. Do you have like, okay. Uh -uh. Okay.
2: I have no immediate, I'm definitely, I'm getting that question a lot. I have no, the, the second time I ran for re when I ran for reelection was an incredibly, um, brutal experience. Mm -hmm. It just was, it's a very negative campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, I was sort of personally attacked in a really hurtful way. Mm. Um, and I'm, it doesn't make sense in my life, even more than it didn't make sense in my life when yeah. I had a baby in 2015. <laughs> but um, I don't, I definitely don't, I don't see that in the sort of next 10 year long trajectory of my life. And for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just asked because I just feel like there's a lot of people around me that um, I see and think, gosh, you would just serve us so well. But I just don't think that um, the system currently is set up to make it, I don't want to say it has to be easy, not easy, um, very accessible for someone who needs it, needs a full-time income or for someone right. who has multiple kids or for, you know, that needs an income to be able to pay for childcare, you know? Right. Um, so well, here's the
2: thing. I mean, I think, you know, what, there are a lot of systematic institutional changes, that could get to the issues you just spoke to. Mm -hmm. And we should all work and vote and lobby for those changes. And also at the same time, there's something very simple we can all do, which is stop talking about politicians like dogs, Mm. because nobody's going to want to run for office if they understand how they're going to be talked about. That was the most disheartening Mm. part for me. Is even if you disagree with me, you know, I'm this hometown girl. I moved back. I love this place. I'm a mom of three. You see Mm -hmm. me at the store. Like, do you have to talk about me like I'm a monster? Mm -hmm. But that's how we talk about all politicians. And that's how we, you know, until everybody can stop doing that, until, you know, everyone can stop talking about Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi like they're characters and not real human beings, Mm. then. That trickles down all the way to the local politics. And then it's, you know, people look at you like you have three heads. If you say, have you ever thought about running for office? I would really (laughs) like to get to the point where I could mention that to a woman in particular. Yeah. A young woman who, you know, doesn't look at me like I asked her if she wants to take a trip to Mars. Um, But I think we have to we have to treat politicians better if we want more people to become politicians. Mm.
0: That's good. Okay. So you guys, like you'd been talking about your, you both are parents of multiple kids. I have three boys as well, Sarah. Um, yeah, they're, they're fun. Um, Hmm. but you know that we can't do it all right. And, uh, parents of little ones and people who have just a lot going on or feel like they have less quiet time or personal time. Sometimes I feel like they don't, They feel like they don't have the capacity. I feel like I don't have the capacity sometimes to keep up with politics. And your podcast has been super helpful in that, you know, I can hop in when I can. And when I can't, I can't. And then I can hop back in when I can. Um, Do you guys have any other places that you personally like to go for a quick read or um, just a way to get connected?
1: Well, I think listening to podcasts is a good way um, for busy people because a few minutes in the car in the morning which many of us have is a Mm -hmm. really, or on a quick walk or whatever is a really good way to stay informed. I like the newsworthy from Erica Mandy. It's about 10 minutes ish in the morning and it just hits the headlines. Um, I, like, up first for the same reason, um, start here with ABC, you know, the New York Times has the daily. There are lots of different ways to get that information um, from a podcast. And what I really love about podcasts there, and I have been discussing this for a while now, is that it has a beginning and an end. Mm. It's not cable news. It's not talk radio where they're trying to fill 24 hours <laughs> with yes. the same five stories. It's just here's what's going on today and we'll pick back up tomorrow. And if you will develop a habit where you do something regularly, this is true in pretty much everything in life, but I think especially with news consumption, if you say, okay, Monday through Friday, I'm going to listen to a 10-minute morning podcast to know what's going on. You will know what's going on mm, much more than the average person. There is real continuity to those stories once you start tuning in every single day. It is not as overwhelming as it seems. The language starts to become familiar to you. The names that pop up in the stories are pretty consistent. And you'll really have a good handle on what's happening. It's just the regularity of it that I think makes it – um so much more digestible. Mhm.
2: Yeah, I mean I think there's this perception that the news is overwhelming, there's so many stories every day. But the truth is that, you know, once you start engaging every day you realize it's not really new stories every single day. You know, mm-hmm. one week they spent 3 days talking about how there was going to be a hearing on Thursday. You know what I mean? Like that was the top story. <laughs> yeah. Going to be a hearing on Thursday. Monday, uh, Tuesday, Thursday. There's going to be a hearing on Thursday, Wednesday, there's going to be a hearing on Thursday. You know what I mean? Like so <laughs> Yeah. You know Once you really engage, you realize it's not it's not that you couldn't find a million news stories every Mm -hmm. day. Of course you could. But um, once you realize and you start seeing what sort of bubbles up to the top, I do the podcast like Beth mentioned. And then I, I personally on our Instagram do an Insta stories every day, a news brief on our Insta stories. So I try to do like three minutes or less in Insta stories. What's the top headlines? And to sort of gather all that information, I really depend on email newsletters. I love email newsletters that kind of give me the the one or two sentences about what's on the front cover of every newspaper or whatever. I love Axios's email in the morning. There's a really cool um, email newsletter called The New Paper, and it's really short,
0: brief to the point. And I think those are another great, easy source. Well, I really have had such fun talking with you guys. You have both a special gift and I'm really thankful that you guys have chosen to share it and bringing the grace and the nuance to hard places is really bringing light to our world. So thank you for your work and thanks for sharing it with us today. I have a couple of podcast questions that we like to ask at the end just to get to know you guys just a little bit better. So either one can answer, both can answer, um, whatever feels best to you guys. So what is something or someone you guys would like to illuminate? could be an organization or cause or person, but we like to talk about people who are illuminating in their lives on this podcast.
1: Well, this is easy for me because I am, am a board member of the Ohio Justice and Policy Center, and we just had a, a quarterly board meeting yesterday. And we were talking about this new project that we have going called Beyond Guilt, and what we do in Beyond Guilt is look for people who are incarcerated for crimes that they did commit and crimes that were violent. It's the hard stuff. It is not sort of, hey, we need to help nonviolent drug offenders. This is like people mm-hmm. who have who have life sentences for violent crimes. And we look for folks who have served some time and who in the course of that service have demonstrated an ability to come out into the world and be a contributing member of the community. We look for circumstances surrounding how those folks were prosecuted and why and what their lives were like that led them to that point. And we identify people to advocate for um, commutation of sentence or reduction in sentence. Mm. And um, it is Hugely significant work to me. I think this is this one of the major civil rights issues of our time. When you think about how disproportionate the way we sentence um, people of color is. Mm -hmm. And so uh, beyond guilt has in the few months since its launch helped six people um, come out of incarceration early and assigned those people mentors and built communities of support around them and those folks are absolutely thriving now and it's being done in partnership with prosecutors so it's Hmm. it's a win for everybody it's so much Um, less expensive for the state to have people contributing in communities instead Mm -hmm. of sitting in prisons. It's so much better for the economy. It's so much better for families. And I think just fundamentally for all of us, it's just better for the human spirit. And so um, I really am excited about that work. And I think it is bringing a lot of light into dark places that are difficult to go. Um, And I'm just humbled to be part of it.
2: Well, I am going to illuminate um, since I've been so big on history and context, I'm going to illuminate my favorite historian, Jill Lepore. She's a history professor at Harvard University. She's wr- written several books. She writes for The New Yorker. But my favorite is These Truths, A History of the United States. Um, I read it this year. It's it's a big book, and it's long. It's like almost 1,000 pages. She okay. starts at Columbus, and she goes to Barack Obama. I love her so much. I think that she, the way that she provides context to these bigger historical shifts, and the stories she she tells are so powerful. And so, I mean, just to keep to keep on this this theme, it's it's illuminating. Mm-hmm. It, I felt like she was showing me things and telling me stories and really revealing parts of American history that I had not heard before. And so I'm, I'm just a huge fan of hers.
0: I am definitely gonna look that up because my husband is really into those history books. And honestly, a lot of them are written by men. And for some reason, mm-hmm. that's the other thing they just Helpful. don't pull me. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but that mm-hmm. is really cool mm-hmm. to hear. I love that. Okay. Um, if you had one mis- message for the world, what would your message be? Well, I always say that I really want
2: my tombstone to say she asked hard questions. And so I would like for all of us to start asking hard questions, understanding that there might not be an easy answer. There might not be one answer. um, And just to lean into that, um, the discomfort and the gray area that can come with with asking hard questions. I think our world needs more of that.
1: The theme for me is always that I think we don't have to solve every problem. We don't have to become an expert on every issue. We just have to find our our way to contribute. You know, if it feels like the world's on fire, you just have to be one little drop of water that reports for duty. That's it. And you're going to have talents and interests and gifts that make you well-suited for whatever that work is. And if every single person would just show up and do their work, it would have enormous impact. And so feeling overwhelmed is normal and it also doesn't have to be a
0: constant state. What a great conversation. I could have talked to them for hours. There's so much more to politics than the issue itself. There's so much more behind it. And I love how Sarah and Beth take the time to create space for those things, treating each other with respect and like thoughtful human beings. If you want to hear more from Sarah and Beth, go check out their podcasts and their book. I really love their book so much. And I didn't get to talk about their second podcast, The Nuanced Life, but it is such a good listen as well. It's completely different than Pantsuit Politics. They explore the messiness of living wisely, but commemorating events that listeners write in with and giving advice to listeners. I've chewed on bits from that show for days. It's really a good one. Okay, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this week's episode, remember to share with your friends and subscribe so you don't miss another episode. Hope you have a great week.